When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Gluck, I'm a motorsports writer for The Athletic, and each week I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver, but we have reached the finish line for this season's version of the 12 questions. I've been doing these every year since 2010, and they change every year um, at the end of the season. Try to mix them up and not repeat the questions to keep it fresh so we can do it all again next year. And that is the case once again. And also the case once again, we are ending this with Landon Castle. If you're relatively new to the, the 12 questions, Landon goes last every year, and even though he did not race anything this year after losing his sponsorship for the Xfinity Series ride at Cogs Racing after last season, uh, we still wanted to end with Landon, and that is what we would do for the 12th straight year. And uh, part of that tradition also is that Landon um, helps me with the 12 questions uh, early in the season. Once I get some questions going, then I start to run them by him, and uh, he offers suggestions, so uh, that's always very helpful. And once again, last but not least, it is Landon Castle on the 12 questions. All right, everybody, the annual tradition is back. I'm here with Landon Castle for a 12-question interview. We're, we're sitting outside on a beautiful day uh, across from Burkdale Village. Is, is that the right description yeah. of this area? Yeah, we're in Huntersville. Yeah, in Huntersville, North Carolina relaxing on some nice chairs it's not the noisy track atmosphere we've had in the past but it's <laughs> still good to have you back anyway welcome back to the podcast thank you this is um this year is no exception that um i help you create all the questions or at least approve them some kind of voice in the questions and then uh i forget them by the time it's my turn to do the interview so right right yeah <laughs> i don't I remember mean, a single one but i will say they usually come to me pretty quick i so you know, I have some questions and then you say, nah, that's, that's not a good one or that's good, but why don't you say it like this? That would get a better answer out of a race car driver. Um, so yeah, your fingerprints are on a lot of these. So let's see, see how, how you react to them. Okay. First one is you must pick one chore or obligation to do every day for a year. But if you make it the entire year doing this, you never have to do it again for the rest of your life. So what would you like to knock out forever? Oh man. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's so many with a household, a household of full of kids and dogs and chaos. I would say, gosh, is it horrible to say feeding the dogs? <laughs> feeding the well, I mean, if they could be fed themselves every day, I mean, you're gonna you have to feed them every day anyway. So if you just did a year of that and then you were just done with it. They, they just I magically mean, got their food. <laughs> uh, it, it was either that or just hauling trash down. 
The dogs one is because we have outside dogs, so it's just a little grody, like going out, refilling their dish, and then always. Oh. Yeah, can be. Need to, I need to be a little bit better about that process. Gotcha. Okay. Can you describe how you are as a passenger in a streetcar? Uh, it's a pretty rare instance. Oh yeah, you usually doing the driving. I'm usually yeah. doing the driving. Um, like you just had a family trip to Ohio, you drove all the way, or? I drove all the way, yeah. Um, and I would say, I when I'm out of town, I guess I ride Uber a lot. I do okay, but in the actual front seat, passenger seat on a road trip, it's tough with my wife driving. She doesn't really use cruise control, so that bothers me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, Speeding up, slowing down. Yeah. Kind of thing. You're like, wait, why are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm pretty chill, I think. Okay. I'm pretty chill. I'm not like a paranoid passenger. Now, I have zero interest to be in a passenger a passenger in a race car. Yeah, okay. Well, I've I done that understand. before. Yeah. Not fun. I don't really care for that. I actually... That's an unnecessary risk. I think that's comforting because I feel like, well, this person knows what they're doing. So, and no even if we, if we wreck... Nobody knows what they're doing. They don't? No. Well, I feel like if we <laughs> if we wreck or we spin, they're gonna be equipped to know how how to spin and how to lock it down and maybe. Well, if not, it's a good story. <laughs> maybe not. Hey, I was riding with so and so and we wrecked. That's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. assuming you avoid serious injury. Yeah. <laughs> Count me out. Okay. Uh, what's an app on your phone that you love using and think more people should know about? Hmm. App on my phone. Man, I'm going to tell you the notes app. Really? I think it's just really coming into its own. <laughs> I'm serious. Because <laughs> everybody screenshots their statements on it or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think that uh, taking good notes is, is just way underrated. Okay. And, and the Apple notes app is, had some really good improvements to it and organizational improvements and the way it ties in with the rest of Apple's apps. Yeah. Take good notes. When something's, when you're, when you're, when something surprises you, just open up a new note, write it down, give it a category and maybe it'll resurface later. That is how you wanted to collaborate on 12 questions. I made a notes file. I added you and then you put notes in there and two people can go in there. Sharing notes is, Ah, oh, it's so good. I love sharing yeah. notes with people. Interesting. What do you do to make yourself feel better when you're having a crappy day? Um, eat food. Eat food? Okay. <laughs> eat bad food. Make yeah. myself feel crappier. Are you still maintaining the vegan lifestyle? <clears throat> um, I haven't been full-on vegan in, in quite some time. Oh, okay. But... Um, my wife does pretty good at it, and I was cooking a lot this uh, this year. It was kind of fun to cook for the family and stuff. Yeah. ChatGPT. I used ChatGPT to like make recipes and wine pairings and stuff, and kind of got into it. Like Saturday afternoons, I would make some kind of meal. Nice. I like that. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a, I don't know, technology. Yeah. Was was really fun, but yeah, who who doesn't eat when they're sad? I guess. Sure, but yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. Um, so, Landon, one of the things this year was I asked readers to submit Dear Abby style life advice questions. Oh man! And I'm 
haven't repeated any of them. I'm mixing them up for each driver. Um, so here's one for you. This person said, this is my first semester teaching at the local university. I just posted midterm grades and one young man has an F. It should not have been a surprise to him given his poor test score and his inability to make it to this 11 o'clock class. However, he just found out he won't be able to play football with an F and he wants to know what he can do to get it up to a D. I'm fairly certain the only reason he's going to college is so he can play football. Should I go out of my way to create some sort of extra credit for him so that he can play football or should I be that professor who kills his dream? What do you think? This a tough one. Um, I think the way that that was written, what, by the way, was this specifically asked to me or this? No, was, okay. these are just like, oh, random, like a list of them. Okay. And these are all anonymous. I don't know who yeah. asked them and all that. So I think the way that was written, it makes it seem like, um, this is kind of a first shot. Is that, is that what it sounded like to you? Like the first time this happened kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. I mean, not to say that it shouldn't go without saying that, you know, the kid needs to pass his classes to be able to play football. But, hey, maybe that wasn't – maybe maybe this is his first real reality check on that. I think the professor should give him a chance <clears throat> um, because I think that you still got to ask yourself what's, what's what is the goal – even for that professor, what is the goal? And it's to teach these young kids the way of life and how to achieve their goals and how to organize their priorities around those goals. And if the goal is to play football, then one of those things that's necessary is to pass their classes. And I think giving him a fair shot at helping him do that, um, as long as he puts in the work to get there, I think he deserves a chance at it. Now, if he sets up a plan and a strategy and some extra credit and says, do the work and I'll help you through it, or I'll set you up and, and the, and the student still doesn't do it, then, then that's maybe the ultimate failure there. <clears throat> that's a very reasonable answer. I really like that. It's very nuanced and yeah, it's very reasonable. Mm -hmm. Um, so the next one is a question about like, it started as sort of, uh, it was supposed to be a hot topic. You know, I was going to ask people to weigh in on aliens or chat GPT or stuff like that. Um, and then I kind of ran out of those quickly or realized I wasn't <laughs> going to have enough to make through the year. So it started shifting to like societal debates or what you do in awkward situations, stuff like that. But the reason this question even appeared is because I guess in January as you started like blowing me up about chat GPT before it really took off. Cause yeah. you're always an early adopter of things. And you were like, you got to use this. You got to see how valuable it is and all stuff. So here we are now, like 10 months later or something. Yeah. And it's not that the whole world, not just the whole world knows about ChatGPT, but AI is suddenly transforming everything so quickly. Yeah. I mean, who knows in a year from now how much it will have changed if, if this has already changed in 10 months. So what what's your current outlook on on? That this AI phenomenon, like, does it need to be regulated? Is it is it getting out of control? Do we need to be using it smarter? Are we, are we using it enough? Like, where 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 are we all going with this? Um, I think it's probably, from my perspective, from a person who doesn't know the, the vast implications of AI. So I don't, I can't speak on this like Elon Musk could, or you know, the big picture. You know, and if you're looking at it from that perspective, it's like 
okay, there probably are regula regulations and things that need to be looked at and for public safety and whatnot. But from a, just a consumer point of view and a regular person like myself, it has a lot of the same feelings right now that crypto does in its hype cycles, you know, or anything else in a hype cycle. And I think mm. that AI right now is in a hype cycle where meaning 80 or 90 percent of what you see on AI Twitter posts and things popping up that are AI related are probably a little over exaggerated or their usefulness is over exaggerated or this new tool that you got to try out that's changing the world is probably a little over exaggerated but there's also some extremely great functionality to some of the tools that are out there like ChatGPT and for me personally um, I could not be more excited um, for the fact that I have been using ChatGPT and been using AI and it is like made me feel like I can tackle any challenge wow um, and because it's it's just it's a it's a resource where you can speak to it in plain language I mean we've already had that resource with Google and the internet right mm. all the information you need is on the internet but the problem with Google is it's an index of information right so you, you're, you're typing in a search and asking it a question, but then you have to find the answer where, you know, with, with chat GPT, you can communicate with it on a human level with you using natural language and, and sort of iterate through the, to find the answer that you're looking for. Um, so that's just made it really interesting for me to learn things and, in, in you know, the, the ability to learn using chat GPT is feels endless at times to me now that sometimes i get to limitations and uh, watching a youtube video and how to do something has been more useful than chat gpt but i mean i just earlier this year i was talking about cooking and stuff this is a silly little thing but like i literally created a, a web application for um creating recipes and wine pairings with using chat gpt i have zero coding knowledge but i like just me and chat gpt just co-piloted with each other and made a little web app wow that's <laughs> and, fascinating and so i could just click buttons and um and created this little program that just you you tell it what kind of food from what region of the world and what kind of meal you're having and it'll tell you it'll give you write a recipe and um and give you a drink pairing with it huh and it's like i haven't tinkered with it at all since then and i did it i think my last few updates to it i was trying to accomplish something and um, I was trying to make like a, a wine label reader to where I could you could take a picture of a wine label with your smartphone and it would read it uh, which that technology already exists but I was trying to make it myself okay and, um, and I kind of broke the app with it <laughs> and I don't oh. know how to fix it because I don't know how to program <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got it working <laughs> and I actually had it working to the point where I had a couple friends that were using it in uh, um, just like in a test environment it was kind of cool wow um, but anyways I, you know, I use it, I use ChatGPT on almost on a daily basis. Just if I'm working on a spreadsheet on something or, I don't know, writing emails and doing all kinds of stuff. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, I've helped, like, helped it with home decorations and all kinds of things. Wow. 
That is wild. Very wild. I, I, I just need to use it more. Uh, but you're, you're, you're good about inspiring stuff like this because your, your QR code thing from a couple years ago still has people talking about <laughs> how to do that. So, um, so the next one's a wild card question. Um, you know, I know you have the, this new podcast, The Money Lap. It has a newsletter as well. So I know you're staying a little bit busy with that and you, know, you have a family and stuff. But um, I don't really know like what, what – I, I guess I thought – when your colleague ride fell through because we thought you were going to be coming back and then the sponsorship didn't come through with the crypto stuff. And then it was just like, okay, well he's not going to be there. I guess I just assumed that at some point you were going to pop up somewhere else or do something in a car. Uh, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. You haven't raced at all Mm -hmm. this year. So do you, are you not wanting to race or what, what have you been doing to to take up your time? Um, Well, I mean, honestly, I've probably done a, obviously done a poor job of communicating to the fan base um and maybe that's because i don't i didn't really know a lot this year what i wanted to do i mean i didn't i didn't not want to race but i also didn't want to go to the racetrack every single week not in a car that i wanted to drive okay um and that's not that is no insult to all of the team owners out there that have given me opportunities in the past and the ones that called me this year i mean i fielded a phone call from a team that was interested in having me drive for them probably at least every other week really somebody people checking in or seeing you know if i was available for a race and um and the answer was just no every time and it wasn't because i don't want to race um it's just i didn't want to race that okay um at that time so um you know, I've been on the road my entire career, um, and it was nice to take a year with my kids and my family and just spend time with them and prioritize them for a while. And so, you know, I got to spend more weekends at home than I think I had since I was 13 or 14 years old, because even at that age, I was racing every weekend. Right. Um, so to spend an entire summer at home and like go to the beach for a week and take the kids to the mountains a couple times and to I mean we've just we just had a nice time so um the sport's been really good to me and and so um I was kind of felt like I could take a year off Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I do want to race again I don't you know I don't I'm by any means am I done and I, I've been in the simulator this year as well so okay um, I've been testing for Hendrick I'll be in the simulator this week um, <clears throat> uh, leading into Phoenix but um, you know my ideal schedule next year would be I mean of course I'd love to race for a championship but nobody ever wants to count that out but really I think my ideal schedule would be to run 10 to 15 really really high quality races that I have a shot at winning Hmm. Um, but the way to do that is to have a sponsor. I don't, you know, I need to have a good sponsor to do that. I yeah. have a good partner behind me and, um, and find a race team that that's willing to take me in a sponsor and go race for a win. How, how bad of a taste did it leave in your mouth? Because you, you, you had that mm-hmm. and it, it seemed like finally everything's lined up and then it just all goes away just so quickly. Like that had to be quite an emotional experience I, I would guess it was incredibly um 
and you know the Voyager partnership was was a dream deal for me but obviously you know I'm not entirely gonna you know just victimize myself over it all I mean crypto is a <laughs> is a volatile thing and you know I didn't expect um, you know while I knew there's gonna be volatility or thought maybe there could be volatility in that market I you know certainly thought that my sponsorship um, could make it through at least the duration of the the contract that I had and unfortunately it didn't um, so <clears throat> You know, it's, it is a real bummer, but yeah, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity that I still had with Voyager, the relationships that I made there, um, the chance to, to drive the car that I drove at College Racing, and, um, you know, I wish my year had gone better, but, you know, I don't really regret any of it, and um, I felt like um, on the racing side of things, it was <clears throat> it was a lot of fun to do that, and to be able to race the next gen aspire was was incredible um you know so hopefully with racing it's just you just never know and you just never you never know what can happen so i know that you know maybe i'll i'll get another shot here soon so i guess one one last question on this um before i completely derail the interview with with all racing questions but um you know in the past i feel like you've said hey like i i i like to build teams i like to do that stuff after being with colleague and seeing you know what it's like to race in you know more competitive equipment and stuff did that change your perspective on that like hey like i don't i don't really need to go to actually like another rebuild situation type thing um as just as purely as a driver um <clears throat> i don't think so i mean i want to win um i want to win a race you know i want my kids to see me win a race and you know, I know that uh, they've. I want my wife to stand in victory lane with me one time. Mm -hmm. And so, I think you know that that the ability to build race teams as a driver was, a, I think, a very unique skill that I developed. That isn't something that drivers typically imagine themselves doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that is something that I would love to do from the, from the angle of an owner, you know, someday. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I would, I've always shown interest in that and, um, I would definitely be open to something like that, taking those skills of building a team as a driver and maybe doing it as an owner. But, you know, as far as Landon Castle, the driver, I, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really quite simple. I, I just want a trophy, yeah. <laughs> you know, for my... <clears throat> for my fans who've watched me race and, and, you know, for my family who seemingly, you know, maybe from one perspective have only ever seen me struggle in my career. Um, even though it's not always been a struggle, you know, mm -hmm. it's been extremely fruitful and provided for my family. Um, it's not easy going to the racetrack every week running 10th to 25th. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, you know, for my kids, I would love to, to put one in victory lane one time for them. Yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Um, so this next one is, it's not your question, but it's partly on here because of you. Because Chase Briscoe in the offseason said that I should put this question on. And I was kind of like, nah. And I kind of had it on this list of like alternatives. You're like, well, what about this one? And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to get honest answers from, from this question that I'm about to ask you. And you're like, oh, you said, I think, no, I think you get some great answers from this. And this is actually, thanks to Chase, turned out to be one of the best questions all year long in terms of really interesting info and consistent good answers. So thanks to both of you for for getting this on there. Um, In your career, what is the deal that came closest to happening that ended up not working out? Ooh, closest... (laughs) Um, I would say pretty early on in my career I was um, I mean right after my rookie season I ran part time at Junior Motorsports and won the rookie of the year Um, it was a bit of a you know an interesting season because before that we were I was at Hendrick and then Junior Motorsports sort of inherited the Hendrick Bush Series team, and so the first year of the Nationwide Series was at Junior Motorsports. Totally new environment for me, um, even though it was all new to me. Anyways, I was only 18, but um, so yeah, I ran part time, um, one rookie of the year. In the fall of 2008, National Guard um, resigned with me to. Um, to race in 2009 and uh, which was really exciting I had a great relationship with the guard and um, and the National Guard and those you know decision makers there so I was kind of getting ready to go full-time racing the next year um, and start developing my career and then Jeff Gordon had lost the Nicorette sponsorship that was on the 24 car oh, okay and so that opened uh um, the door for the National Guard to actually move from my Bush Series or Nationwide Series car to Jeff Gordon's Cup car, which happened. So then I lost the National Guard sponsorship there. So they managed to replace it with the Unilever, Unilever partnership. And um, so I was had met with all the Unilever folks, um, had done photo shoots, everything. Fire suits were made. I was going to drive the Klondike car, the Hellman's car. Um, I don't think I was in Ragu at the time, but I think it was Klondike and Hellman's because I have I still have the fire suits. Wow! From the photo shoots, um, and did photo shoots with Dale Jr. and um, and then there was the I think it was GoDaddy might have left junior motorsports to do Danica's deal or I can't remember something no I'm sorry I'm sorry it was Navy left junior motorsports okay at the end of 2008 on the 88 car and so then my sponsorship got moved to the 88 car and there was that was so late in the game there was nothing to replace um to replace to put me on the car and um at the time i still had a contract with hendrick motorsports and junior motorsports to drive another year but they didn't have an obligation to run me full-time 
in the Bush series, so or in the uh, nationwide series at the time. So, um, so pretty much left me out without a ride at all in 2009. Wow. Yep. So, so you went from rookie of the year, thinking that you year, had a full time deal, thinking I was going to have a full time deal with my existing sponsor, losing my existing sponsor, you know, getting it replaced with another great, you know, company um, and great brand that obviously is still there today. Yeah. Um, and to the point that I had photo shoots and fire suits made, helmets painted, everything. Wow. And then, uh, and then losing that, and that was it. Wow, what a business. Who is a person you would be starstruck by when meeting them? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's a little, you know, it's, it's not, it's not hard to get starstruck by just about anybody that's big time. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think that people in motorsports not really starstruck by any of them because I know most everybody in motorsports on a pretty personal level. So, I mean, gosh, the most famous people in motorsports right now or at least in nascar dale jr and jimmy johnson jeff gordon rick hendrick roger penske uh you know they're all jim france i mean they're i think that the the starstruckness around folks like rick hendrick roger penske jim france is maybe less of a celebrity starstruck as much as it is just a uh shaking hands with that kind of figure yeah um you know like meeting your boss is boss type thing Uh (laughs) um in terms of celebrity starstruck i mean gosh probably this is pretty popular taylor swift would probably yeah uh, i probably wouldn't have much to say around her (laughs) (laughs) yeah that, that is a star for sure what is the single most important skill a race car driver can possess Um, single most skill. Um, gosh, there's so many skills, physical skills or character traits, attributes, I could give a cynical, funny answer or a <laughs> or a serious answer. My cynical, funny answer at the at the start was like, "Is narcissism a skill?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Because <laughs> it seems like the greatest athletes and high performers in any place is just you know you have to be unapologetically obsessed with yourself, yeah, um, and yeah. obsessed with success at all costs. Um, unfortunately, at sometimes comes at the expense of relationships or people or you know the big picture of life but to hell if it doesn't make you a good race car driver <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious uh is that where you want to go i think that's i'm gonna fine. stick with that one okay all right what life lessons from a young age stick with you and affect your daily decisions as an adult <clears throat> hmm. these are good questions how how have how have you done with these questions? Um, pretty good. I mean, the except for the first one about the chores or whatever, mm-hmm. I got that one got kind of tiresome because most people just said like laundry or dishes or something. But there's been some good. I think there's been some good answers. I don't yeah. know if the listeners agree right now, but I think from a really early age, my parents um, taught me that to to know what I was trying to do to 
know, you know, what my goal was. Um, and goal not meaning outcome necessarily, because you can't really control outcomes. Uh, but goal meaning just what are you trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that that's a, that's a lesson that, um, maybe I don't know at what age people start learning and realizing that, but man, the sooner you can kind of think of things from a perspective of what am I trying to accomplish here? I think the easier it is to make decisions even on a daily basis. Yeah, that's absolutely true for sure. Uh, obviously each week I ask a driver, give me a question for the next interview. The last one was with Christopher Bell and he said, I, I, he knew it was you. And he said, well, since you're a veteran guy, I'd like to ask this question. Um, what track do you think should be added to the schedule next? Obviously your home state track, mm-hmm. I was yeah. on next year. So that's off the list. What, what should be next? Um, man, track schedule, and track schedule in NASCAR is such a wide open topic right now because I feel like it was not that long ago that we were all beating this drum about like more road courses. Like road yeah. course racing is amazing. And now we have so many of them. That it's like, ah, we don't need any more road courses. And, yep. and, um, you know, short tracks is like, I would love to say more short tracks, but the next gen has gotten such a bad rap at short tracks. But yep. But, man, if short track racing is still... I'd still rather bet my money on short tracks than anything else. But yet, man, intermediate racing is, is good, right? <laughs> yeah. With yeah. the next gen. This package just does so well. So, um, I just... I want to see... I want to see a new oval. Like, a track that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. I think... I just think we're due for a new oval. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's another, if it's a high banked paper clip, you know, like what we had kind of heard was potentially getting built out in Fontana or, you know, I don't know, a, a, another unique track like Darlington or, um, or something. Maybe, it, <clears throat> I mean, I hate to say we need another super speedway between Tex, uh, um, Atlanta, Daytona and Talladega, but um, I don't know, maybe some, some other kind of super speedway, two mile track. That's, I don't know. I just think it's, you know, there, cause, cause where there's no shortage of new road courses, right? Right. We're, we're, there's so many great road courses around the world. And, and we're, I think that, you know, NASCAR is, is gonna try a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even, I'm not trying to say something like, cause I just said around the world, I'm not like implying that I know that NASCAR is going international or something. I, I'm even stateside. Um, or, you know, obviously Montreal, NASCAR's trying to get back on the schedule. It's been talked about. So, um, street courses, you know, Chicago is amazing. I'm sure, you know, maybe we'll get a chance to see another one of those. Um, so there's no shortage of new road courses, Yeah. but there's like no, there is a shortage of new ovals. Yeah. I was talking about this with my coworker, Jordan, and what is really the last new oval that was built? It could be Iowa. I mean, Kentucky. Those are, I mean, those are yeah. old at this point and yeah. those are like the most recent ones, I think. Right. So yeah. I think, a, I think that, um, a high banked short track, I think another, I, I don't want to say another Bristol because Bristol, you know, Bristol is, 
you know, is has its own unique features, right? I, I, but I think a high bank short track with a different shape than Bristol. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the shape of Richmond, but it's got 30 degrees of banking. Yeah. Maybe it's the shape of Martinsville. It's got 30 degrees of banking. But I think that, you know, banking is one of those things that just is a wow factor, no matter who it is. I mean, people that don't know anything about racing know that racetracks with banking are spectacular. Right. So if you were building a racetrack right now, I don't know why you, I mean, uh, it doesn't necessarily work for local racing because a 30 degree banking track for a local weekly series is not necessarily a good idea, a good idea probably. But if, if you were NASCAR and, or SMI and you were thinking about building a short track, I don't know why you wouldn't build a 30 degree banked racetrack. Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. Um, so obviously this is the last one of the year. So, um, you could either give your question uh i think i'm going to be doing this next year um now or of course when when the time comes in february or whatever you can submit uh yeah i the the uh the one thing i always fail you at is coming prepared for this part <laughs> well and you, got, so, you have an entire off season if you yeah that, so. so you know i guess i'll leave the listeners hanging we've given them plenty to listen to at this point so um how many people listen to the audio part of this I feel like I asked you that last year. Um, well, it's getting uh, toward record totals on that. That's awesome. More more people. It flipped uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, where more people now listen to these than read these. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise um, me. That's a really. I mean, it's a good conversation. Yeah. Well, sometimes depending on the driver, but you yeah, have delivered here once again. So I'll uh, I'll have we'll we'll touch base back um, at the first of the year and we'll come right. up with a good question. Sounds good. Well, thank you, as always, uh, for continuing the the tradition here. Thanks, Jeff. All right, everybody. There you have it. That is the 12 Questions Podcast for 2023. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I think it was pretty fun this season. I really liked mixing it up, mixing up the questions a little bit more, like with the Dear Abby question and sort of like the society debate question, as well as the wild card um, I'd like to try to figure out a way to introduce even more of those. Cause I think it keeps it fresh when I give myself a little flexibility and maybe ask questions from like a category rather than the same exact question. But I'm very curious to hear what you guys think about it. Should I try to stick to the standard, you know, um, exact same questions every week? Should I, um, you know, have more wild cards in there or should I maybe do something different this year, uh, this upcoming year where, you know, there's 12 completely different questions every week. And it's just sort of 12 random questions for people. What what do you guys think? Send me a uh, an X post. I was going to say a tweet, but I'm catching myself. Um, uh, Jeff underscore Gluck is my name on X. Or you could send me a DM. Um, you could send me an email at jgluck at theathletic.com. Whichever you prefer. Um, I'd like to hear your feedback, especially for you who are 12 questions listeners and listen to a lot of these. What What are you looking for? What do you... What, what did you like about them? What did you not like about them? Um, so I can go into next year with a, a new fresh slate. Anyway, um, again, appreciate you uh, for listening to these all year. You know, they don't get the same number of listeners as like the teardown, but they still get a nice little audience. And uh, I really appreciate those of you who take the time and uh, think that this is a, a fun feature. I, I enjoy doing it. Um, I enjoy, you know, having sort of an excuse to catch up with the drivers at times and just get to know them a little better. Some, in some cases where I just don't really 
know these people on a personal level very much and it's sort of a fun way to do that so glad to have you along for the ride thanks as always for listening and i will talk to you next year on the 12 questions podcast